Hey everyone, listen, we have a very exciting episode in store for you. But before that, I do just want to let you know that I know this year has been crazy and we are all adjusting to our new normal during these uncertain and unprecedented times. Yes, I am here to tell you that again. But what I'm also here to tell you is that networking and job hunting looks hella different. Thankfully, your girl here is a former HR manager and recruiter, and I also used to work in social media (laughs) and training, and I've had a thousand lives. So I've decided to merge all of that together and create a five-module course called Our New Normal, How to Job Hunt and Network in 2020. So if you want to head over to jasminereadclark.com, you will find my new course there, as well as some other services that I have. And right now it is on sale. And if you follow me on Instagram, you're going to get a special coupon code where you get 50% off. Yes, 50%. I'm in a really generous mood today. Could be the champagne. All right. Enough of that. Let's get into today's episode. Brought to you by the Revolt Career Network, formerly BYOB Revolt. everyone. Welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed clark and this is the place where we come clean about our industry's dirty little secrets. Today, I have on Becky, who is a real estate and tech consultant, as well as the founder of an online community called Becky Talks Butt Stuff. Yes, you heard that right. No, it's not what you think, but I'm going to let her explain her whole mission and what's behind that. But I wanted to have Becky on specifically because as somebody with mental illness, I understand the concept of suffering and silence with anxiety and depression. However, Becky understands what it is like to suffer in silence with a chronic illness. It's something that I don't have a firsthand experience with, but through being her friend, I've seen the strength, the courage, the tenacity that it takes to endure that, especially in corporate America. I wanted to have her on because, frankly, before working in HR, I didn't know there were employment laws to protect people with chronic illnesses. Um, And I'm going to guess a lot of other people don't know that either. I also want to chat with her through what it's like to have something that seems invisible to other people and leading a double life and where she finally found her strength. So she and I get into a lot of things today, but the highlights are going to be working in tech, even though you don't have an Ivy League college degree, because fun fact, not everyone needs one, Um, how changing jobs every few years has really benefited her career how employees can best advocate for themselves in the workplace if they have a chronic illness, and how leaders and managers can best support their employees who are experiencing health issues. 
And guys, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We talk about so much more. I hope you stay tuned. Let's get into it. Hi, Becky. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. I actually, when I was first um, thinking about like all the different topics I wanted to cover, I knew one thing I obviously wanted to touch on was like health, mental health, um, disabilities. And while I can speak to mental health, anxiety, (laughs) overworking, I was like, damn, there's literally no one better to talk about some of like autoimmune and chronic illness than Becky. Like it's just, I think it's a world that I was really, really ignorant to before I met you. And then through meeting you and working together, not only did I see that what we try to tell everyone that like chronic illness can come in all shapes, sizes, colors, like sunny disposition, like, you know, doesn't look one specific way. But also I got to see like a lot of the office politics that can go along with it and how it can really, um, not even in a salacious way, but just like it can really affect your day to day and how you're able to perform. So with that said, um, I know I just, I gave a little, (laughs) a large intro, but I want you to introduce, uh, can you introduce yourself and like who you are and what, you know, your journey has looked like for the last couple of years as a professional? Yeah, sure. So first off, I'm very honored to be your uh like official sick friend. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> that brings me so much joy. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. That's 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 so perfect because for so long I was nobody had any idea. And so it actually like makes me really happy to like be recognized as a sick person, which might sound totally insane to like someone who's totally healthy and could never imagine. But anyway, we'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So professionally, um, I have actually been in the same overall industry for 10 years and two months as of this week. Um, I started working in very like suit and tie corporate America right out of high school, like literally the month after I graduated high school. Um, I was provided a really awesome opportunity to work in the corporate office for one of the big banks dealing with um, their real estate and property portfolio. So I kind of decided to change my plans and (laughs) skip college. to dive right into the career world. And from there, I kind of made some very strategic career moves to expose myself to as much of the real property world and industry as possible. I worked on the mortgage side, the default mortgage side, property management. I dealt with REO. I've dealt with real-time real estate. All Like every side of the business that you can imagine, I've seen a piece of it. Um, And I was actually doing exactly what a lot of my generationally older mentors were telling me not to do by switching jobs every two to three years. But it was working for me. I was getting exactly where I wanted to go. Um, But eventually I started to get really burnt out in old school corporate America. It is very nine to five. It is very like 
I get in my car, I drive to work, I do my job, I come home, I go to sleep, I get in my car, I drive to work. It's very repetitive. So you get burnt out real quick. And I was starting to feel burnt out. And I decided to take this huge leap into the real estate tech startup world, which was disrupting everything that I had done for the last like seven years of my career. Um, It was a huge culture shock, but ultimately it was one of the best risks I've ever taken because it really changed not only how I look at my own work, but more importantly, my worth in the workplace. And so that's kind of how my career trajectory has been. Even now with COVID, um, I'm consulting in the same industry. So 10 years strong. (laughs) Industry veteran. Actually, even though we're going to get into um, more of the health focused stuff, you actually just brought up a lot of things that I don't think people talk about as much like skipping college. And are you cool if we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So one of my girlfriends who I actually had on the podcast, she got like a really great opportunity, like two years into school, she ended up leaving. And she's like, I am so insecure about that. I feel like everyone's judging me. And because when I was redoing her resume, she's like, is that a problem? I'm like, I don't care. And every recruiter is going to be different. Like I never cared because I went to college and I partied for four years. Like, I don't really think you should put too much stock in somebody having a piece of paper all of the time. Um, So for her, it's like this, this, you know, secret for you. Are you like, I don't deal with that insecurity or how do you like, what do you think? I, I did at first, especially actually more so when I switched into kind of the tech world, that was the first time that I ever really felt a little bit self-conscious about it, but it, it and was- if we can, if we can pause the reason you're saying that, cause I really didn't know this until, um, we, we were at the same employer. A lot of these people come from really prestigious colleges and you mm-hmm. go to Harvard, you go to Stanford. And I even had someone, a leader there, um, tell me if I want to do, if I want to stay in business and really be a leader, I need to go get my MBA um, and go to business school. And mm-hmm. it needs to be from an Ivy League college because if not, no one's going to take me seriously. And I'm like, well, I no, thank you. And oh, then I'm yeah. like, well, I have a full-time job. What am I supposed to do? She's like, I'm just, I don't know. You just need to sacrifice it because, you know, you're just going to be a cute face till you get that MBA. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. So that's why I can see. So I'm sorry to interrupt. I wanted to just explain that. Oh, no, I totally, yeah. I was told by multiple leaders at that same place that uh, no one would take me seriously as a people leader because I hadn't been to college and I didn't have that experience. And I was like, okay, well, I have 10 years of experience in this industry, whereas you have a year. So let's talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Also, sir, so glad you know how to work a spreadsheet. But right, what? like if I want to be a people leader, damn it, shouldn't I be around people? I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, Becky, I'm not <laughs> a mathematician over here, but it's it's really interesting that we're told that. So it sounds yeah. like perhaps it was an insecurity at one point. And how did you really flourish out of that? Because you guys, Becky's one of the most confident people I know. I mean, I know we all deal with stuff behind the scenes, but... I would never, and you definitely don't seem to walk around with um, a chip on your shoulder or like an insecurity on your sleeve. I mean, I 
I don't think so. I try no. not to. Yeah. I just, I try to always like put out the best version of myself, even when I don't really feel like it. And so that was one thing that was kind of hard. I kind of, I kind of wavered in my self-confidence when I first started feeling that, that weird, there's like this weird unspoken pressure in the tech world to have gone to a prestigious college and to have the experience. And I was on the Dean's list and I did these things and I was like, that's great. I managed a national portfolio of over 150,000 homes. I mean, (laughs) I don't have a degree, but I did cool stuff too. Um, So yeah, there was, there was definitely a period of time when I first got into kind of that real estate tech startup world that I felt self-conscious about not having gone to college, but it was a very conscious decision that I had made. And I understood at the time when I made the decision that I was going to have to work a little bit harder. I was Mm -hmm. not going to have that degree or that piece of paper to fall back on to say, Hey, I'm competent. I was going to have to show it by myself. Exactly. Exactly. Which you, I've seen firsthand, you do a tremendous job at. If anybody is like, let's say they're on the fence, especially with COVID, maybe they're like, I don't want to rack up all of this debt. What advice would you give to those who are trying to decide what their next move should be after graduation? Yeah. So if you've already made the decision, you've already gone to college and you're making the decision what to do after you graduate career-wise, I think it's important to go into it almost with the same mindset as if you hadn't gone to college at all. And don't use that piece of paper as a crutch. Don't use that as any excuse or any reason why you should or should not get the job or have a certain status at a company. You know, really, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. Really count, like you have to count on yourself. Prove to yourself that you are competent so that you can then show others how competent you are. Don't use your college experience as any reason why you should get the job or anything. I love that. Like what you said, don't use it as a crutch. And that's just really good advice. I don't care what stage of life you're in. You need to prove it to yourself and show up and prove that you're competent. And that should be, um, I mean, show you that should be the merit that is used for you. Yeah, totally. And that, that'll, that feeds into, I definitely credit that partially for why I, I do feel so confident, at least in my professional life is because I've put in the work. I've worked Mm -hmm. really hard for a really long time to get where I'm at. And I am confident in my knowledge. I'm, I haven't used a piece of paper as a crutch. I haven't, you know, name dropped or done any of those things to get me where I'm at. I've done nothing but work really hard all by myself to do yes. it. And so I know that I can do it. I just, it's now my responsibility to show my employer or whomever that I can do it. Boom. Oh, I love that. And something else you talked about that we hadn't, uh, you know, talked about in our call, but you know, our previous generation was like, you need to stay at a job for 10, 20 years. And you and I have both moved around, bounced around. 
And in retrospect, I think it has served me really well because then I, I feel like I'm getting way more experience. I'm exposed to – or I've been exposed to different industries. I've changed career fields. And I think that's why it's given me this really like well-rounded yet strangely unique set of skills mm-hmm. that sometimes I feel like, what the hell am I going to do with all of these skills? But somehow – everything comes into play, even things I was doing five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like moving around and trying different things has benefited your career? So one thing that I noticed when I would have kind of these mentor meetings with my generationally older mentors was that they they would say things like, and you need to stay in a job for X amount of time so that you can show that you really like nailed down that skill. So I didn't want to just nail down one one skill. I didn't want to just be an expert in one area of the business. I wanted to know the whole thing. I wanted to know all the skills. I wanted a very holistic view of this industry that I had immersed myself in. And so I took steps that I thought would get me there. And I'm very fortunate that some of the risks and some of the steps that I took did get me there. There might've been a couple of missteps along the way, but it all worked out in the end. And so what happened was over the course of my 10 year career, I've seen every side of the business and I've, Mm -hmm. I've kind of exposed myself to so much that now when someone looks at my resume and this happened with, um, the, the company that I'm currently consulting for, when this when the CEO looked at my resume, he was like, I have never seen anyone with a resume like yours. He said, you have seen every single side of this business. And I've never seen that in my 40 years as a professional. And I, I was kind of speechless and that I was like, there's no way I'm the first person to have done this. But... No, it just, it it gave me so much validation that I had, I had made those moves and taken those risks and it, it worked out because now I have this, I have my own impressive piece of paper. That's not a college (laughs) degree. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's such a testament that the reason you're able to consult in your 20s and consult at like such an expertise level is because you have all of the experience. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you were still in the same job that you were at, you know, from 18. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be consulting right now. So not not that anything would be wrong with that. Just, you know, different. It took you down a different road, but Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that. Now... Something that I've learned from you clearly, even as we're just learning more about you, is we can't always look at someone and know their story. And I had no clue that you dealt with health issues until you opened up to me as a friend. So what is it like to live with something that people can't necessarily see at first glance? Yeah. So, oh, it's hard. It's really hard, actually. Um, In addition to being a tenured real estate professional, I'm also a fantastic actor. Um, (laughs) True. Academy Award winning. (laughs) One of the one of the um, kind of bittersweet qualities of being someone with a chronic illness is that you get really good at kind of slapping that smile on and just doing whatever it takes to get through your day. Um, uh, to kind of touch on my 
health history, my health journey, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis right at the beginning of my professional life in 2010, right after I graduated high school, um, is when I received that diagnosis. And ulcerative colitis uh, in kind of short form is a form of inflammatory bowel disease, which is a chronic autoimmune disease uh, where your immune system attacks the cells of your colon, causing inflammation and ulcerations. It's debilitating. It's horrifically painful. And in addition to all of your standard bathroom symptoms that come along with something like that, it can manifest all over the body, causing chronic fatigue, malnutrition, um, arthritis, anemia, all kinds of bad stuff like that, that isn't always easy to hide at work, but you kind of have to do it. Or there's, there's a feeling like you have to do it. Um, so from the minute that I was diagnosed, it, it kind of throws you into this vicious cycle of doctor's appointments and specialist appointments and treatment regimens and trying to figure out what's going to work for you. And you have to manage all of that on top of your regular life, on top of working 50 hours a week in the professional world, on top of keep, you know, keeping up and maintaining your relationships and mm-hmm. uh, a home. I had, I had bought my first house when I was diagnosed it, and you do all of it almost in secret until mm-hmm. it will eventually get to a point when you can't. And for me, that point was about eight years into my journey with ulcerative colitis. It gotten to a point where I had tried everything and I was still sick and I was getting more and more sick as time went on. And I was facing having to have surgery. And so that is where it all kind of started to fall apart. But ultimately, it that's where it all came together for me. <laughs> Exactly. It's, Which is speaking, so cheesy and cliche. I <laughs> you are in the right company to throw out some cheesy lines, girl. <laughs> no, it's, but it really is true. And I think a really clear demonstration of that is Becky Talks Butt Stuff. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, Becky Talks Butt Stuff was <laughs> born as a, just an Instagram page. Um, almost actually exactly two years ago as a way for me to start the conversation about this thing that I had been dealing with in silence for so many years. Becky Talks About Stuff was born the day that I had scheduled to have surgery. So my, my illness had progressed and gotten to such a point where I had to schedule surgery to have my large intestine removed. And I was scared. I was scared shitless. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, up until this point, I mean, I had, sir, I was a teenager when I was diagnosed and I had scoured the web and nobody was talking about this disease. Nobody, I mean, who wants to have that conversation and share that on the internet? I can, you know, so I had scoured the internet nobody was talking about it. And I was like, well, I'm scared. And the only way for me to deal with being scared is to start talking about it. So Becky Talks Butt Stuff was was born out of pure fear of what I was about to go through. 
That is incredible. And you've been able to really build a solid community. Like when I when I follow and I like things, I see the engagement and I see that you are starting a dialogue. But I really feel like I see that your audience trusts you and really opens up to you. Um, what has it been like just to make internet friends with people who are also living that double life or that secret life? It is the coolest thing I think I've ever experienced in, in everything that I've done and accomplished in this life. I think Becky talks about stuff is oddly probably the thing I'm most proud of because it was for me, it was born out of fear, but has turned into this really beautiful community of people who all turn to the internet out of fear but walk away with a whole group of people who understand exactly what they're going through. And there's, there's really something to be said for being able to turn to people, not only for support, but for advice and just to have a virtual shoulder to lean on and to vent to, because there aren't many people that you come across in your day to day life that are dealing with this specific thing. Exactly. So yeah. And, and you guys, you have to check her out because I've learned so much from like the Barbie surgery, getting a Barbie butt to just how daily life has challenged. My sister-in-law has Crohn's, but um, I think just following you, I've just learned a lot more and it's really given my empathy a new depth. And oh, you just... You just don't ever judge a book by its cover. And people are so much stronger than we ever really, really know. And um, but speaking of that, do you feel pressure to disclose your medical background despite being protected by some employment laws? Yes and no. So like like I touched on before, for the majority of my professional career, I kept it a secret. I didn't tell anyone because there's there's that fear that once they know you're sick, they're going to look at you differently. They're not going to put you up for the promotion. They're, you know, they're going to discount your ability in some way because you're sick. And this happens not, not just with chronic illness. Um, I mean, it happens all the time. It happens being a woman. They're going to yeah. discount you because you yeah. might have a baby someday. They're <laughs> right. going to, you know, they will find something exactly. to discount you for. And so not only was I a young woman in a very male-driven corporate America world, but I was also sick. And so I didn't want to give them any more reason to discount my ability. So for a long time, I did. I kept it a secret. I suffered in silence. I can't tell you how many times I was written up at work for spending too much time in the bathroom. I was, you know, given performance plans because I had missed too many days because I had to be at my doctor's appointments. And when you're someone who has to see the doctor once a week, that gets really hard to like juggle. Yeah. And, and to keep that in secret. So for a long time, I did keep it a secret until I kind of entered the tech world and I decided, you know, I'm doing something totally different with my career. I'm going to do something totally different with my health too. So I'm just going to tell them and see what happens. And it kind of changed everything. 
because the minute I opened up and I told the people that I was working with and working for what was going on, mm-hmm. it changed the game. They were like, oh my God. they were like, of, of course we can accommodate whatever you need. You can go to the doctor and, you know, still get your work done. That's fine. You, you know, if you need help, we can help you. If we need to accommodate you, we can accommodate you. And that for me was like, oh, wait, I can be sick and still be a fucking badass at my job. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yes. They allowed that and they encouraged it. And that was when I really started to learn about my my power and my worth in the workplace because not only were they being supported, they provided me with all of the resources that I should have known about the whole time that I was totally unaware of. I was totally unaware that I had a condition that was covered by the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. I was totally unaware that all of my employers for the history of my disease should have been making accommodations so that I could see my doctors and so that I could use the bathroom when I needed to. I was once told by a manager that I was spending too much time in the bathroom and that if I left my desk again, I would get fired. And when I said, well, what if I really, really need to go? She said, well, I guess you better use your trash can then. I don't want to see you leave your desk. Uh. But I'm sure if you really did use the trash can, I bet it somehow I don't think that would fly either. So right. Mm. But as a 19, as a 19-year-old kid yeah. in in this big corporate world where I was already kind of stepping out of my own comfort comfort zone, like taking on this huge career that felt so much bigger than myself, I wasn't, I didn't know. No, I had no idea not. that they could that they couldn't or shouldn't do that, and I was just like, "Oh, well, this is it." I've well, and, and to speak about that until because you know I I was doing advertising and social media before I got into HR and like people operations. So many things I didn't know beforehand. So I remember learning some health laws um, once I got into HR, and they're like, "No, like you have to accommodate people. Here's a certain paperwork we file," and I just thought. There's probably so many people who just don't even know what their rights are. And uh, I'm going to say something a little controversial. I also feel like we don't do a good job letting people know their rights. And I'm sure that is uh, purposeful. But uh, yeah, I just I know a lot of people suffer in silence, you know, even even with other things. So but I'm happy to hear that you really found your like power when you did start opening up and. What do you wish managers and company leaders knew about respecting medical conditions? I think the biggest thing is to understand that nobody wants to be sick. And if you have someone who is sick, they are most likely your most dedicated employee. One, because if if they're working through a chronic illness, it's probably because that job is their source of health insurance. <laughs> so they they will do, and I know speaking from personal experience, I would have done anything 
to keep my job. I worked so many hours of overtime. I did so many things that weren't my job just to ensure that I kept my job because I needed it. Mm. I physically could not go without it. And so if you have someone on your on your team or in your company or whatever that is chronically ill, understand that they need that job and they need your support so that they can keep that job and so that they can excel in their job. Don't ever look at somebody with a chronic illness as someone who's not dedicated or isn't trying their best because I guarantee you they're giving you 140% every Mm. single day just Mm. to sit there with a smile on. Mm. It's hard. Girl, everyone take several seats. Okay. Class is in (laughs) session. (laughs) Um, And then when you look back, on everything because you know we've talked about so much you know you've had this incredible career you've worked for startups you've um now you're consulting you've started becky becky talks butt stuff when you look back what are you most proud of as it relates to your journey um whether it has to do with your career or some passion projects the thing that i am by far most proud of is Becky talks about stuff and the the community that I've built there, that page was built and created out of fear. And it has turned into something that I take so much pride in. I do so much advocacy work, yes, not, she does. Just, yeah. not just to teach people about chronic illness and all of that, but to give people with chronic illness the confidence that I never had that Mm. to hopefully Mm. take away that fear that I know exists. And if I can help even one person feel less alone in the journey that they're going on, that's all I want. Because I know how lonely it is to not only be, you know, a young person with a chronic illness, but to be a person in general dealing with chronic illness and with a professional life and with a relationship and with friends. And so if I can make one person feel a little less scared and a little less alone about going through that journey, then that's all I can hope for. Beautiful. Becky, this has been great. Next, we are going to get into the industry rapid fire. Now, obviously, you have a ton of industries. So you just answer, you know, for whichever whichever industry feels most relevant to the question. Okay. Are you ready? I think so, yeah. Okay. The biggest misconception about your industry? The biggest misconception about my industry. Okay, let's go with real estate tech for that one. Let's get into it. The biggest misconception about this industry is that they're because they've touted themselves as disruptors and trying to trying to change everything. I think the biggest misconception is that real estate tech professionals are trying to put real estate agents out of business. And I think yeah. that there, there are a couple companies out there that are like, hey, we don't need agents, but they're not overtly trying to get rid of real estate agents altogether. And so I think that's a huge misconception that people have. And mm-hmm. I, I wish that they would kind of not worry so much about it because real estate agents are 
necessary in so many ways. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, that is, that's, that's legit. And then what is your least favorite part about your industry? The least favorite, my, okay. My least favorite thing about real estate just in general is that it is 24 seven all the time. It never shuts off because when you think about, oh, I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to have a job, you think nine to five. Well, that's when everyone else works their jobs. So real estate tends to happen most often in the hours outside of nine to five. <laughs> so during the nine it to does. five, you might be doing XYZ paperwork or dealing with title companies or this, that, and the other, but then it continues beyond that. The phone calls and the text messages from clients and people wanting to see homes and, you know, inspections are happening and the roof caved in because it snowed and like (laughs) real estate never sleeps. And it's a business that is constantly ebbing and flowing and things are changing all the time, every single day. And so it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing that is a very fast pace that it's all the time and that it never really takes a break. There, there are no weekends in real estate is kind of <laughs> truth. <laughs> what it comes down to. <laughs> and what is the best thing about your industry or profession? The best thing about real estate and real estate tech is that it is moving all the time, constantly changing, especially right now, especially with this crazy global pandemic where people, you know, can't really get out and go see houses and buying homes. The whole process is having to evolve. It's being forced to evolve right now. And so the fact that we are taking this, this, old transaction that has existed in its same ways for so many hundreds of years at this point. And literally, and we're, we're forcing it into the future is really cool. It's a really cool time to be in real estate tech. And I'm super excited to see what comes out of 2020 because Oh, it's, yep. it's been crazy. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and then finally, what is the hiccup or failure you would never change about your journey or that you're the most grateful for? The, the hiccup or failure that I wouldn't change. The f- Ooh. Okay. Um, the first real estate tech company that I joined was, ooh, girl, it was a journey. <laughs> I I joined that company when it had less than 100 people and I saw it grow and I helped build it up and now it's this big, beautiful thing. And the hiccup or failure that resulted from that was when I decided to part ways with that company it was a big deal. And making that decision was really hard. And a lot of people thought that I was making a huge mistake. And I wouldn't change that for the world. Mm -hmm. I am so glad that everything that happened 
happen the way that it did because now I am where I'm at. And exactly. the journey that I took with that company has given me the opportunity to do what I'm doing now. And mm-hmm. I am oh, yeah. very, I'm very proud of that. And when people ask, oh, well, why, why in the world would you leave that company? Why in the world would you do that? You know, you just kind of have to say, I went with my gut. Oh, yes. Yes. No, yes. And nothing, I know this whole episode, a theme has been like not judging a book by its cover, but it's also some of the places that people would kill to work for or like the boss babe companies. Like, girl, let me tell you, sometimes the shinier something seems from the outside, the more hollow it is on the inside. I'm not saying that about any particular company that you've worked at. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying not everything that glitters is gold. So yeah. And that's, I think there's, there's so many benefits, but there's also so many hard things that come with companies like that. You know, you get all of the cool things. You get unlimited vacation time. You get to bring your dog to work and you get to work from home whenever you want. And they tell all of these really incredible, wonderful benefits. But what what they don't show you on the flip side is that it's a lot of work. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of hard work and it demands a lot of your time and a lot of your life. And so something that I was unaware of, especially as a chronic illness sufferer going into that side of this industry, going into the tech side of this industry was just how much of my life that those companies were going to demand from me. And so there's a huge give and take that happens and you just kind of have to find your balance. I hope one day, um, I don't know if it will ever happen in America, but I really hope we can have better like labor laws because you can really get away with working people into the ground like no that's not hyperbole and i think yeah see the number of times i was answering slack messages from my bathroom you would not believe (gasps) oh oh but i do believe no it's it's so it's yes now becky (gasps) i know after this um After this episode, everyone's going to want to keep up with you, learn about any upcoming projects. So I want to hear about everything you want to promote. Give us your social channels, upcoming projects, and where everyone can keep up with you. Yeah. So I am Becky Talks Butt Stuff basically everywhere. Um, Instagram (laughs) is definitely my most used form of like social media, but I also have a YouTube channel that... I am not going to lie. I haven't uploaded a video to that thing in a hot minute. It's hard to be created (laughs) right now. Yes. Yes. But I am Becky Talks Butt Stuff everywhere. I've got BeckyTalksButtStuff.com that it really kind of lays out my whole health journey. If that's really what you're interested in, you can also contact me. Um, There's like a form to fill out to shoot me an email. My email is BeckyTalksButtStuff at (laughs) gmail.com. If you want to reach out and just chit chat with me, if you have questions about your poop or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. 
Becky, it has been a pleasure. But before we go, um, just because I know you have such an incredible story to share, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, sure. Yes. The one thing I will say, if if you are someone who has a chronic illness or mm-hmm. or if you're <laughs> dealing with anything health-wise, if it's autoimmune, if you have cancer, if you have family with cancer, if you're a caretaker for someone with chronic illness, if, if there is something health-wise that you are going through in your personal life, share it with the people in your professional life because there there's no mistake that we spend more time with our professional lives than we do with our personal lives. And so to make that journey as easy as possible, it's, it's in, it's probably in your best interest to share that with someone. If you're not comfortable sharing that with your colleagues that you're working with day to day, share it with someone in HR, have it documented somewhere because when shit hits the fan, like we all know it tends to do, um, it makes things a lot easier if they're already at least somewhat in the know, if they already have an idea that something's going on. And so don't be afraid to, to share what's going on. Um, and also don't let it, don't let it hold you back. I love that. Becky, thank you so much. And guys, um, please go follow her and we will be back next week talking about office politics and how to handle it. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.